M. Rossiano. You can't vaccinate against sexy thirst, can you? And Michael Lucas. For me, it was just blank rejection, no sex. This is M. Salation. If one person sends me good energy, I'll tell you right now what you can do with that good energy. You're in M. Salation. Hello? You're here. You found your way to M. Salation. Well done. I'm just going to give you a moment. Take a big breath in. This is your time. This is your... I'm going to put on a voice for you. <clears throat> oh, hi, it's Em Rossiano. You've uh, picked Emsolation, the podcast about kind of pop culture, politics, princesses, penises, everything. My friend Michael Lucas will be joining us soon. But just, I just want you to have a moment, just a moment, because you probably haven't had one to yourself for a while. And if you're on your own, you've probably been feeling that. So let's be together. In through the nose. It. Lovely. Let's do one more. Fill those lungs up. <sighs> Wonderful. Hey, hey. Now, what you're going to get today is some escape. The pod goes for well over an hour, which you guys asked for. You wanted a longer, a longer edition so you could perhaps eke it out or pretend you're on a work call with your friends. I really suggest you do that. If you want to join in the conversation with Michael and I, so you put your earpiece in, just tell everyone you've got a very important call to take. And then you walk around and no one will harass you, although my children do, and my husband especially, do tend to hear, hey, I'm going to be on a phone call, please don't disturb me. They generally seem to hear, hey, I'm going to get on a phone call, can you please ask me all the questions you've been saving up for the last day while I'm on that phone call? That seems to be what happens. Anyway, you can just pretend you're on the call to Michael and I. You basically are. How are you? I'm genuinely checking in. And it's such a weird question. And now when I'm writing emails, I'm like, hey, how are... Uh, I know how this person is. They're the same as me. They're exhausted. They feel restless. They feel numb. I oscillate between despair and then nothing. It's just a strange old time. And as I keep saying to you, and I'll keep reminding you, just take every hour at a time. Don't look too far ahead. It's no point. We don't know what's coming. Things change on a dime, on a whim. So all you can do is be like, okay, what's next? It's that song in, in Frozen 2, which is the superior Frozen in my mind. Do the next right thing. I think that's it. I don't know. Let's fast forward through it. Oh, I feel bad. I know that's like Anna's big moment, but it's so boring. Uh, when compared to the other ballads. <laughs> oh God. What do I? Oh yeah, Anyway. It's a big time. It's a weird time. So hopefully what you're about to hear is going to distract you for a bit. You guys dictated the content today. You sent your questions to the Emsolation podcast Instagram and they were great questions. I love our community so, so much. Your questions were interesting. They challenged us. So I appreciate it. I don't have much else to add, to be honest. I'm going to let the pod speak for itself I'm okay right at this moment because I just made this thing for you with Michael. I always feel better once I've done that. <laughs> I'll be able to do things. I've been busying myself trying to make my house organised and beautiful. And, you know, in another life, I was halfway through an interior design degree when I was cast on Australian Idol in 2004. My first love and passion is interior design. So that is definitely the job I will be doing if this all finishes up or, you know, if I wasn't doing this, I would definitely have become an interior designer. I love it so much. I love making spaces beautiful. So I've really busied myself with, I don't know, trying to create a space for myself and my family that is warm and engaging and colourful and organised. So 
if that might help you, I encourage you to do it, you know, make your bed, change your sheets, change some furniture around. And if you need help changing your furniture around, take a photo of the room and tag me in it and I'll give you some advice. I love helping people change their furniture around so much. (laughs) I love it so much. When I left Breakfast Radio in Perth, remember when I said I wasn't going to rattle on? Here we are. You guys knew I was going (laughs) to. When I left Breakfast Radio and I came back to Melbourne, I took a job with a real estate agent where I would go into people's houses and help them, you know, people who didn't want to pay for interior designers or couldn't afford to buy all new stuff. I would go in and help them work with what they had to make their houses beautiful. And I also like, you know, we'd go Kmart, Target. I've got a good eye, secondhand stuff. I'm really good at home makeovers on a budget. Excellent. I'm also really good at home makeovers with like a huge budget. (laughs) Both. So if you want some help, if you want some suggestions, my, by all means, take a picture of your room and tag me in it and I'll get in your comments. I'll get up in your comments and I'll give you some thoughts and feelings. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I've been doing. Painted my roof, as a lot of you saw, painted it in the colours of the rainbow. So many of you were like, Em, my husband would never let me do that. And I always was like, sorry, what, what is this let me you speak of? Let It never occurs to me to ask permission to do anything in this house because Scott doesn't care. It's just not his thing. He doesn't care about, he thinks that my obsession with throw cushions is something that I need help with. He would leave my husband in a grass hutch on a beach in Bali with a thatched roof, a hut, and he would just have like a rolled up mattress on the bed and fresh fruit cut up every day. There may be like one chair and one light so he could read. That's Scott. Okay. So I will say to him, I mean, I say to him, Hey, I'm thinking about painting the roof. So it's not so dark in here. And he's like, yeah, okay. And then I'll go again. And I'm going to do, and then the next stage, I'm going to do it in rainbow colors. He goes, okay, cool. He just doesn't, I tell him and I kind of, I don't, you know, I I make sure he's not totally against it, but I can't think of anything Scott would feel strongly enough to be against it. My point is if you want to make a change in your house, don't look at it as having to ask for permission. Just float the idea as fact and then gauge the response. If you get a, okay, then just go and do it. They're not going to unpaint it. If you get like, no, why? Then just say, I'd like things to be a bit lighter. I'd like a project. I've been feeling a bit flat. I thought it would be cool. If we don't like it, we can change it. You know, just there are ways around this. But I have found it has immensely helped me organising my space and making it nice because, oh, fuck, we're here all the time. All right, that's enough. Uh, I'm going to go now. Enjoy the next hour to yourself. All right, play the music. M. Luciano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Okay, coming in live from the floor of his bedroom, because this is a very high-tech podcast, Michael Lucas, the triumphant Michael Lucas. (laughs) (sighs) How are you feeling? I mean, you had a big night Sunday night. Everyone wants to know about it. We put it out to the M. Salators. What do they want to talk about? We've got a lot of funny questions, but the number one thing was, how's Michael feeling about the Newsreader's debut? Oh, look, well, on one hand, I feel like I have been run over by a steamroller. There's no question. But on the other hand, I mean, great and so relieved because, I mean, the show was trending so high and the numbers were good and the and the actual sentiment was really amazing and I could see a lot of them were inflation fans that were going crazy. <laughs> and, and I don't know that the ABC has quite cottoned on to the fact that I have we have, or you have, cultivated an army. 
there were some telltale signs. Yes. Like there was one person that was um, commenting on an ABC like iView link about where to watch it going, can you please supply the link? I really want to support Michael Lucas. <laughs> it's like, okay, I think I know where that person comes from. It was great. It was really, really great. And critically acclaimed. I mean, how many five-star? It's embarrassing. I mean... I think that what I do is when people ever criticise anything that I do, I have a link saved to my first ever five-star review and I Uh, suggest you do the same. You just send the link. It's a stunning response to any criticism you show my cop. You don't say a word. You don't engage. You just have that little link saved and just pop the five-star review off to anyone who has an issue. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it should just be my email signature. Just Pretty going much. forward. <laughs> you, you're a critic's darling. I mean, that must feel good because you're such a TV nerd. So, and, and like the worst thing I think someone wrote was, what, what, what was that snitchy guy that he wrote? He didn't feel it was, what did he write? You know, the guy we were bitching about, the snitchy guy? Oh, God, I can't even, I, I, I mean, I could probably recount word for word every single criticism that has been said, which I have to say is not much. And, and, and. I've automatically gone to a place of, oh, well, that was the peak. I mean, I'll never be able to replicate that. (laughs) The lowest star rating was four stars out of five. And if you think I'm ever going to achieve that again in my career, no, it's time to pack up. Of course you will. (laughs) No, there was, what was the snitchy thing? Oh, Uh, he, remember, and he said something. Oh, toothless, politically toothless. That's it, politically toothless. I knew there was a term that I was like, I'm tracking him down. I'm going to have him taken care of. I'm going to, he's going to be removed from the media. Look, that's, that's, I could write a complete dossier slash PhD on every little thing that has been <laughs> criticised about it. Of course I could. But, but I can't like overwhelmingly, oh. yeah, it's a massive relief. And also the biggest relief for me has been, of course, now it's been seen by so many people that work in the news and yep. so many of them have reached out to me with throwback pictures of them in the eighties and sort of this overwhelming sense of you captured it. So. Yeah. Sandra, not, was it Sandra? No, Tracy. Tracy Spicer put up a picture yeah. of her, which oh, was with and Michael amazing. Rowland. Oh, yeah. His one was amazing. He looks so much lighter. And also the biggest thing, I mean, I said all I really wanted was for people to care, and automatically people seem so into Helen and Dale, and I'm really excited for people to see where they go. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Slash terrified. All right. Look, it's obviously been. I'm exhausted. I don't know how you're feeling. You're exhausted. I know you're exhausted. I'm exhausted. And it's a, and it's a really, it's hard looking at the news at the moment oh. on every front. It's so it disturbing. It is. And not to diminish the things that are going on in Afghanistan and what's happening in our own country, but we both needed a break from it. And there are other podcasts doing incredible stories and in-depth and exposés um, that I'll make sure Ben puts in the newsletter if you do feel like you want to go and educate yourself a bit more. But this week, we just kind of put it out to you guys for some light entertainment. And my goodness, Michael, they delivered. <laughs> so I cannot do- wait. <laughs> We're going to do a mishmash of Dilemma Doctors, Love Nundrums and Q&A. It's just all beautifully combined. (laughs) This is a premise for a show that is just made for us. (laughs) Pretty much. And the first question we're going to ease in comes from Liam. And he says, I'm currently re-watching Buffy. What TV show defined your high school experience? You go first, Michael. Well, I just need to know, like, what is it what TV show you loved in high school or what yeah. TV show you subsequently became obsessed with? Well, in terms of love, I just have to go straight back to Degrassi. <gasps> you took mine! Oh, God damn it, I that knew is, you won! 
There's, there's, no, there's no surprise <laughs> in no, this. I can't believe we have. Oh, I didn't think you'd go to Grassy. I didn't. I mean, of course you did, because of course. But I was like, I'll let you go first, because no way he's going to say Degrassi. I don't know. I thought you were going to say something else. But well, yeah, I mean, go, it's not like, go. you know, the two ones that I was obsessed with, Beverly Hills, but I truth no. be told, that bore no resemblance no. at all to my no. high school. No. But Degrassi, with its old, oh. ah, with its Canadian grit, Stephanie Kay. Wake up in the morning, feel the shine, lonely. <laughs> Gee, I gotta go to school. Oh my god! And remember, everybody wants something they'll and never give up. <laughs> oh my god! Everybody wants something they'll never give up. Joey, Zip Remedy. Oh, oh god, Caitlin's not a Leslie. And just oh, for me, when Spike was pregnant, the yeah. whole. Degrassi for me was just I would race home from school or training and uh, or I'd have to get dad to tape it on the VHS because I had training and it was that whole ABC afternoon lineup. You yeah, know? wall to wall. Oh god, who was your favourite Degrassi character? I was showing my early gay tendencies by being very compelled by Stephanie Kay. And I oh. still remember yeah. being mesmerised by her. Do you remember when she, like, leaves in, like, the fawn cardigan and the yeah. conservative dress and then goes yeah. and gets in full, like, Madonna <laughs> yeah. slashed up and then does all the makeup and then changes back on the way home? I remember yeah. thinking that she's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember just wanting Spike's hair. I yeah. thought her hair was just oh, the, <sighs> one of the great engineering achievements of the 1980s. <laughs> and wheels, remember wheels? Oh, and Spike God. got pregnant to wheels, right? Yeah, Spike got pregnant oh. to wheels. Totally. The whole it's just gritty. Like it was gritty, you know, in a Canadian way, obviously. But it was just to show I felt wasn't treating me like an idiot as a teenager. No. And and, and I of course love Beverly Hills 90210 but Jenny told me I had to stop watching it because she said it was giving me a bad attitude. Jenny's my mum. So I used to have to like try and watch it in secret. Oh Jen. <laughs> I hate to say that that bad attitude was that was a self-fulfilling thing. That <laughs> that was <laughs> You can't identify one trigger for that. So, yeah, no, okay, same, same TV show, fair enough, all right. Next question, moving on. Okay, M, okay, this comes from Liz. M, you can only do one show with either John Peter Farnham or Madonna. <gasps> Who do you choose uh, and why? I'm, I'm riveted by this, the answer to this question. Well, it's an easy answer. John Peter Farnham. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Go. I'm going to say because he... To see your voice, well, firstly, to see your voices meld, he's still got a fantastic set of pipes and the two of you singing together, you are both singer, singer, singers. So I feel like in terms of if you're going to do an actual show with someone, it should be him. 100%. Is that the answer? Yeah. Yes. And not only that, can you imagine Madonna sharing a stage? Like, have well, you ever seen? Well, she did bring out Britney too. Look, I can identify oh. several occasions. <laughs> They sang Human Nature. Justin did come out to do... A whole um, show? A no, whole show? No, of course oh, not. No. no. She wouldn't and, do it. And nor would I ever want to encroach on Madge's performance bubble. Like, no. Like, I understand that. You set a theme. You have the curry. You pick a backing dancer to date. Like, it's a whole thing. Absolutely. And I don't want to ruin the mojo, whereas with John Peter Farnham, it'd be like a Gaga, Tony Bennett situation. We'd, we'd <laughs> you know, we'd sit together... <laughs> It would be very kind of beautiful and cruisy and it's just a, an experience. I think I'd be really anxious and stressed to perform. 
perform with Madonna because I just, oh, I don't know, I just would be worried the whole time. But with John, you know, we'd have a whiskey. It would be amazing. Tell some stories. Oh, yes. God, it would be amazing. It would actually be a bit Gaga and Tony, I think, in a, in a really satisfying way. Yeah, 100%. I just, actually, it's not a bad thought. I'm going to put it in my dream diary. <laughs> I'm right. shocked that it wasn't there. Nah, I've pitched a few times a show with John. I wanted to do a show called Whispering M where like John and I sit on stage together and I interview him about that pivotal album and, and he sings some songs and I join in every now and then. But yeah. John is, doesn't really need to do that. <laughs> no, so he doesn't need to do much at this point. No, no, no. Why would he? All right. A next question comes from Alex. M, would you consider being a surrogate for Michael and Adrian? <gasps> Michael, would you want M to be a surrogate? Your surrogate. Hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> Who's going to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Michael and I have discussed me being a surrogate for him and Adrian many times, yeah. many times. And it comes down to a couple things. First of all, in an ideal world, I would absolutely do this. Of course, I would do it. But the problem with me being a surrogate is that I, I can't just house a baby and hand it over. No. It's not, it's not the type of mother I am. No. And, and yeah, and you know this. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It's really a different question because would you be a surrogate? Well, the answer to that is no, because you would mm. have to mother that child. I mean, you practically mm. mother me and Adrian. You mother everything that's in a five-metre range of you. So, I mean, the, I the idea that you could carry a human being and then not no. mother. And I wouldn't want to make you. And also because, you know, then obviously we're so close and like family that you'd be in this child's life. So, there's, it would just be impossible on so many levels. We just need to, it would just be really, would you mother a child for Adrian and <laughs> Michael is the real question. Yes. And yeah, look, it's a pretty, it would be a pretty complicated situation. On so many levels. Also, our husbands wouldn't like it. No, I don't. I think, <laughs> I don't think, yeah. We know Scott wouldn't because we asked him. Like, we know. Yeah. He just couldn't. And I understand. It'd be yeah. weird. Yeah, well. And then Adrian wouldn't want me around that much. Purely because Adrian and I pretty much occupy the same space in your life in that kind of bossy, Italian, controlling, loving, wanting to make all the decisions space. So, you know, Adrian and I are a beautiful tag team, but I don't know that we should be full-time parenting a child together. Oh, and you're also a true Italian mum who's also into contact parenting and a bit of a helicopter parent all at once. So the notion of that you would be doing cameos in and out, no, no, no. I think you would know in that scenario, yeah, yeah. there would be, the yeah. triangle would be a very lopsided one in, oh, and, and there'd be a lot of practical problems, a lot of problems. But if you two do have a child, I oh. will be that child's mother. Like there's oh, no... absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> I don't get the stretch. Have to worry about the stretch marks. Don't have to worry about the nipples. I'll just turn up for the glamour. Like I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. To be honest. So, are you still? Do you guys still want to do it? I mean, it's very hard now, obviously. Uh yeah. I mean, it's still an open conversation. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously. I just sort of imagined at a certain point there would be, you know, a great friend of mine that would be a lesbian or a single woman because I have actually been asked a couple of times in my 30s. Mm. And so I assume, well, the offers are going to keep rolling in. I'll just at a certain point I'll be in a position where I'm going to say yes. And it turns out, <laughs> no, the offers aren't going to keep rolling in. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to get so many offers now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go away. I'm going to have to vet you all. Jeez. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, we, I, look, I would be lying if I said I hadn't Googled how you would go about it via either adoption or surrogacy. But obviously... It's very complicated and particularly mm. in a pandemic year and, mm. you know, particularly when you are working the kind of, frankly, psychotic uh, levels yes. of work I am at the moment. So I would say the conversation is on pause. It is. Mm. That's okay. You, you don't have biological clocks ticking. You don't have ovaries and eggs drying up. No, but it is wrong to think people, I don't know. Yeah, it is true. I don't have one in the sense that, unfortunately, women do. But, uh, but nonetheless, you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to leave it. I don't want to be decrepit at, at the, my child's... My dad uh, had me at 46, and I don't know that I'd want to be too much of an older dad than that. Yeah, fair enough. So you've got plenty of time. Don't worry, Tom. Mm. Still young. <laughs> what are you, 43 this year? Yeah. Oh, not me. I'm not 43 this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that sweet, sweet calendar. <laughs> Thank God. Never All has right. five months. <laughs> Actually, it's not even that. It's four months. Anyway, uh, yeah, November. No, but it, it matters because if we are asked right at this moment, how old are you going to be turning this year? I've turned it. You have not. So wow. I okay. am. Cool. <laughs> oh my God, we always end up here. Okay, here we go. Next question. Michael, who is mm. the hottest Disney prince and why? Oh God, I feel like I needed thinking time for this. This um, comes from Hover. I mean, I, I can answer first if that helps you to give you some thinking time or I'm, what do you want to do? Well, weirdly, I'm at a certain point, Aladdin mm. wishes to be a prince and becomes a prince. He becomes Prince Ali. And so if he counts, he's going to be pretty high up for me. Mm. Is your prince, Is it, can I just ask, is your prince a human? Because no. I know with you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Because I'll tell you why. Because all the human princes are rubbish. Prince Eric wants to have sex with Ariel, who's basically a fish. No, not Eric. Eric, yeah, no. Cinderella's Prince Charming. Oh, barely a, in it. Yeah, well, he had a kink for feet. Prince Philip in Sleeping Beauty is at worst a necrophiliac and at best is cool with having sex with ladies who are unconscious. That's a no-no. If you can get through that, though, I think he's quite handsome and charming. No. But anyway, okay, sure. And Aladdin told Jasmine he'd show her the world and then just flew her around the local. I can show you the world. Shining, shimmering, splendid. So I feel like they're all shit options and the only one left is clearly Simba. I, he took her to China? What do you think's happening when they're looking at the fireworks on the roof? <laughs> it wasn't China. He flew around Agrabah. No. Oh, my God. I can't believe we could disagree on such a fundamental thing. He took her essentially over, like, past the cloud line and the floor. There is a distinct moment. They are sitting on a roof in China. I swear to God. Go back and watch that movie. So he took her to China. Ring-a-ding-ding. I can show you the world, the local neighbourhood in China. Like, it's just not the same. He takes her through Egypt as well. It's a montage, Em. He takes her all around the world. I'm sorry, they did not have the screen time to literally show. They couldn't do the full Joanna Lumley 15 series thing. It was a montage to a song, but it clearly indicated you've, that's defamation. Anyway, I stand by And it's pushing me to say Aladdin. (gasps) Totally. (gasps) I would like to see more landmarks in that montage, quite frankly. I would like to have seen more. If well, he's many show of them the... weren't built. He couldn't, can't go to the Eiffel Tower. That didn't exist. He can't go to anything in America. We're in ancient times. What can they show? The pyramids and, and parts of ancient China. 
No, there are things that were around in existence to give the idea that they were going, Game of Thrones manages to do it. You can tell the difference between the landscapes. <laughs> I feel like you, I can't believe I'm saying this. You need to rewatch Aladdin <laughs> and have a good, long, hard think about yourself. <laughs> I can't believe we've managed to talk surrogacy and Madonna and this we've got into us. <laughs> <laughs> the most controversial question. No, but it's just, it's just, yeah, anyway. It's just. Aladdin's, no, Aladdin's rubbish. And the, and the relationship was built on a foundation of lies. I mean, he, he was prepared to be very, very insincere and, and he presented himself in a fashion that was not true. And the relationship, he basically catfished Jasmine. There, I said it. Aladdin, catfished Jasmine. He is an orphan, a street urchin who can practically do parkour. He's very good with animals. And yeah, look, is did he? he tell a lie? Of course he did. But you know, he apologises sincerely for that. He's anyway. not good with animals. Raja did not like him and tigers, no. Raja did not like him. So, <laughs> we could argue about this all day. I think Aladdin's rubbish. <laughs> Simba's your solar bet. I love a bit of Simba. So hot, so strong, comes back, takes on Scar, like the whole thing. Oh, give me some Simba. God, I love him. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go away. We're going to come back and we're going to continue on with our Dilemma Doctor slash Love Nundrum slash Q&A sesh. See you soon. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. This one actually got me really fired up. Here we go. Oh, God. Yeah. This comes from She Asked to Be Kept Anonymous, and I understand why. Mm -hmm. Hi, M. and Michael. I'm having some in law dramas. Mm -hmm. They seem to think that I think I'm better than them. They say that I keep my son away from them because I won't visit on my own without my partner, who's obviously their son. Also, upon finding out I was pregnant with number two, they said to my partner, I wish we could be happy, but we can't because she is having the baby. <gasps> what should I do? Ooh, this is... Look. Oh, so complicated and no, chilling. It's not, it's not complicated. Well, it's okay, not complicated. I, I, well, now I'm just imagining what your response is, which is you've got to go and confront the matter. No. Not her. It's not oh, her job. The husband, this, of course. Correct. This is not your battle to fight. This is not your ship to correct. Your husband needs to go to bat, or your partner, I don't know your situation, needs to go. First of all, why is he passing on that kind of information that they said that about you? Oh, my goodness. You don't need to know that stuff. And if his parents said that to him in that moment in time, he should have nipped that in the bud. No, I'm sorry. This is my partner who I love, who I'm having another child with. And if you want to have us in your life, you need to accept her. This is your your partner needs to flap up, go to his parents <laughs> and matter of factly state, this is the love of my life, the mother of my children. You will respect her. You will stop treating her with disdain. Otherwise, we'll have to think long and hard about how much interaction you get to have with us. And that is non-negotiable for me. What do you think? <laughs> I'm not I'm not game to disagree with you at the moment. No, <laughs> no I agree, actually. I agree. Mm. I'm trying to think... Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've, thankfully, I don't think I've ever been in the position of falling afoul of in-laws because mm. I always feel like I'm very good with mothers. <laughs> you are such a suck. It's you true. Ah, you're such a mother's person. They all love you. Mine loves you. Jesus. But- Although your own mother's quite hard on you. <laughs> She's just honest, as she would say. <laughs> She's, she still is. 
she still delights in ringing and telling me, uh, yeah, yeah. She, she, if anyone's rung and said anything even moderately bad about anything I've done, she does feel she needs to pass it on. And sometimes I do wonder, is that necessary, Mum? Do you need to tell me that? But she does. Anyway. I love Joe Lucas. Let the record show. Let the record show. I'm just going to completely concur that, um, yep. yeah, it's your partner's. T- he's got to he's got to flap up, man up, whatever is the appropriate uh, directive to him that mm. you think is going to elicit the response. But absolutely, he needs to mm-hmm. take care of that. That's ridiculous. Good. I'm glad we agree. Okay, Laura. Now I'm really interested how you're going to answer this one. Actually, oh. this is for Michael. I'm really interested. Oh, slash nervous. Okay, <laughs> Michael, you had a front row seat to M's time on Sydney Breakfast Radio. What did you observe? (laughs) (laughs) It feels like a segue to say, I've just written this TV show, The Newsreader. Um, It's about a woman struggling. No. (laughs) Please be careful. Please... Please be careful. By the way, I'm just saying to you, please be careful. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, it was a really strange thing for me because Em had had a really difficult time on Breakfast Radio previously and I had, in fact, that was when we had, our, our friendship had re-blossomed when mm. I went over to Perth and and, um, and I knew how much of a toll it took on you. And so it was one of those situations when you got offered that job and you took it. Um, like we talked about it a lot and you felt sure about the reasons you were taking it and but there was a part of me that felt just concerned that breakfast radio I don't know you're thrust out there to the masses and everyone has an opinion on you and it's a really brutal environment and yeah it's just a very very ruthless world and you're expected to appeal to a very broad audience especially because you'd been flourishing so much with your shows which was they were just getting bigger and bigger every single year and that was because it was your fan base that was choosing to come to you so I was worried about you being put out to the masses. I don't know. It was difficult. I remember when it began and you did, you were able to make the show your own and it was a show that I loved. You were doing the live singing and it was for me, oh, yeah, it was exactly the kind of radio I'd want to listen to. But it was horrible watching it more and more become not your show. Mm. And yeah, I mean, look, I was just really worried it was going to dent your confidence and cause you pain and trauma. And I think it's probably (laughs) fair to say (laughs) that it did, but you know, as ever, you've managed to come out of that and then take that pain and trauma and put it back into art with a lot (laughs) of therapy as well. What people should know, probably do know, is that Michael, toward the end of my time on Breakfast Radio in Sydney, was getting daily phone calls from me in various states of distress. Like mm. sometimes I was just sobbing so much I couldn't, I couldn't even form sentences. And it was daily phone calls. And you must have dreaded seeing my name on the phone. <laughs> so in that first year of radio, a couple months in, like literally I think – 10 weeks in, I found out I was pregnant with Ray, unexpectedly, in my first year of the biggest drop of my career. And then I went through those emotions and Harley had also just had a baby. So the poor guy was having to deal with very emotional pregnant woman again every day. And then I lost the baby halfway through that year. And I had to, I only had two weeks off work because there was a lot of pressure to go back. So I went back, not fully healed or prepared for what was kind of coming. And then my co-host left And then the next year I got pregnant and was terrified of losing the baby. So I was in a bad headspace then as well. So a lot of external factors impacted 
on my time in radio, my behaviour was not great either. Like there was, it was, I was pretty unbearable a lot of the time. So the whole thing, while it wasn't all 100% bad, it's extremely traumatic. I do have PTSD around that time. I am still working through it in therapy. But Michael witnessed pretty much in plain language his best friend deteriorating and destructing to such a point that, you know, I... Let's just also stir in some undiagnosed ADHD into the mix as well. Yes. Let's just forget that was a factor that yeah. we didn't even know. Yeah, undiagnosed ADHD, trauma from losing a baby and not really dealing with it and then going back on air two weeks later and then touring a stand-up show about it. Also, I just want to, like, weave on in. Like, we have a great time doing this show, but this is, like, half an hour once a week and it's a delight. Mm. But I think even for people as strong as us, if we had to do... Oh, well, you're doing two hours, were you? Or three, two. Three, and it's 18 content breaks. Oh, my God. I, I just yeah. feel... I just can't imagine... And also getting up at what time in the morning? So... I get up, got up at four because I live an hour away from the studio. Oh, my God. And I'd roll in at five, oftentimes to some pretty hostile environments. Yeah. And I felt unsafe. I felt unsafe in that environment. Not unsafe physically, but just unsafe emotionally and mentally. And there's a lot of pressure to perform and the ratings were, like, obviously, it, the pressure was, like, something I've never experienced in my life. And I've done a lot of high-pressure things. I kind of live for high-pressure things. Oh, there's no sort of more critical slot than Sydney breakfast. It is just, it's the biggest, most lucrative spot in the country. And so the pressure on it is absolutely immense. And I know I must seem like I bring up radio a lot, but I think it's because I'm still working through it. And it had, it's like, it's like going through a divorce. Like I think for a while after you kind of obsess over your ex's stuff, Mm. how the relationship broke down. And for me, radio, gave me a lot of great opportunities and a lot of people in Sydney wouldn't know who I was without it and I'm certainly not denying that. But it really stole a lot from me and it really damaged me and I was treated, I behaved appallingly at times, but I was treated in ways that only Michael will tell you when I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, great. (laughs) This is the light relief episode. making everyone feel better Mm. okay let's go to the next question then (laughs) this comes from flip which harry potter house would you both be and why (laughs) i've i've done the test that that you find out and apparently i I know a hufflepuff oh no that's what i got you're a Ravenclaw through and through (gasps) well not according to science sam you're not hufflepuff (laughs) You are not Hufflepuff. Marcella's a Ravenclaw too, if that gives you any sort of... Okay, I do feel yeah. like I'm a lot like... What are the what are the traits that may be a Ravenclaw? Ravenclaw, rule abiders, very studious, smart, reliable, you know, like... They're just the reliable, strong powerhouses, you know? They're just... Okay. They're just the ones you call in to... Hey, the students are all out of control. We need someone from Ravenclaw to just go and just tell them, guys, we just need to settle, okay? We just need to stop. They're those people. They stick by the rules. They're smart. You know, whereas I am definitely part Slytherin, part Gryffindor. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, million percent. I am part Gryffindor, which is like all heart, sporty, bit wild. And then Slytherin, like, you know, just can be a bit angry, a little bit, you know, dodge, a little bit a little bit rough around the edges, like, yeah, I'm a little bit naughty. I'm I'm those two. I've really thought about it. 
why, so why am I not? I thought Hufflepuff was like bookish, sort of gay, nice peacekeeper. Are you saying gay because of the word Hufflepuff? It does sound like a gay word. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be. I'll be honest. Oh, for me, Hufflepuffs feel a little bit too lightweight for you. Okay. I don't think there's, yeah, you're, you're more, you're a person who got, what did you get for your TER? 99.97 oh. or something? Um, yeah, it was, yeah, something. Just was say it. I, mean, I, I, I can't actually remember. I think As it was just if. 99.7. Oh, it's just 99.7. That's how, that is exactly what Marcello got. That's amazing. Oh. You two are so similar. Down to the percentage point. Yeah, nah. You're not. You're not Hufflepuff. All right. How long have we been going for? I don't know. Oh. You're the... You're the. Oh, my God. We've been going for so long. All right. We should round it up soon. No, we'll keep going. All right. A couple more questions. Here we go. Oh, this is from Kylie. One for Michael. Michael, advice for a mother of a gay boy. Is my sitting back saying naught approach okay? <laughs> I well that's a really tricky one to answer I would say it is I remember my mum used to occasionally say things to me like well I think one thing that depends is do you think he knows it Mm. or not Mm. because uh, one thing I think is very important that Em observed and it's surprising in some ways that she observed it being one of the campus people that's ever walked on this earth (laughs) is you can't you know, you can't do anything that sort of tells them who they are before they know it themselves. And I and I always cite the Ian Thorpe example as someone who people were yelling gay at him when he had just had no idea. And I was a bit like that too. You know, my absolutely word-perfect knowledge of every single uh, lyric and movement of the Blonde Ambition concert did lead some people to think, does he like the peen? But, um, but I wasn't ready to hear it. I wasn't really ready to hear it until I was about 26, which is quite a way. And the time when people, like sometimes well-meaning people, like mum would often say, you know, if you are just, I just would want you to tell me, I just would want you to tell me. That's the biggest thing if you are. And I would say that didn't, that for me, that wasn't, I suppose it was good to know on some level, but um, I retreated from it a little bit. I, yeah, I don't know. I, sp- I, I also, the other thing that I wonder is, are there any gay people in this child's life as well? Yeah. Because that was very much something that I didn't have outside of the patients in the AIDS hospital. Mm. And I feel really jealous of, of, you know, all my friends, like your kids and my God kids and everything like that, that they can see, a, you know, happy gay man in a good relationship and everything like that. So uh, the only other thing I would say is, you know, if, if you do have gay friends and, and if there's ways to, <laughs> you know, bring them into the world in a, you know, in a, in a not too obvious yeah. world. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's a really, really tricky one, but I, I think you can wait for the cues from them would be my initial gut instinct, but definitely you want to sort of create an atmosphere yeah. where being gay is completely, would be completely yeah. embraced and no big deal. A hundred percent. Yeah. And make sure that there are gay role models around in terms of not just ones you know, but in the media, point out people that you love that up that you know are gay so that your child knows that you respect gay people. You know, it's, there's just little cues you can do as a parent to make the landing softer and more acceptable. Like even with my girls, like I don't know which way they're going to go. Like, and neither of them have ever put a name on it. I don't think they will, but I've always kind of said, whatever, whomever. Whatever. <laughs> you know, like it's as long just... as they're of legal age. <laughs> Indeed. No, that was lovely advice. That's good. That's good advice. All right. Now, there is one that we kept getting a lot, a lot, a lot. And my heart, it came to me on My Love Nundrums also. There seems to be 
a lot, not even seems to be, there is a lot of women out there, and it's mainly women contacting me, in their 30s who are worried about the fact that they're single and they're in a pandemic and they're in lockdown and they now all of a sudden realise... Years are going. ...that their biological clock is ticking. Yeah, so specifically from Fiona, advice for single girls in their mid-30s wanting a family and a partner and trying to do that during a pandemic. And I, I have to tell you, so many... You're not alone. There are lots and lots of women in their 30s worried about this. And I think it's important to realise that the fact that we are in a pandemic has made us realise that we are alone. And I have to tell you, even as someone who lives in a house of five, you do still feel alone. You you manage to be both crowded and alone, which is a very unique (laughs) brain-breaking combination. But I understand what I'm saying. I mean, obviously not the same as you if you literally are living on your own and you're worried about how you're going to meet someone. But I think just remember that now you may have been a happy swinging single before this all hit. And then all of a sudden you're at home going, oh my, I can hear my clock ticking. I want to have kids. How am I going to do this? I don't know how long I'm going to be locked inside. So remember the way you're feeling now is heightened. And also remember that the fact that you're single is not a problem. You've just realised that maybe you don't want to be anymore, which is totally fine. But I think my best advice, and Michael will give you some advice too, Mm is to, number one, focus on the relationships in your life that are great, the non-romantic ones. I bet you have heaps. And busy yourself with enriching them and reaching out to those people and chatting to them on the phone and sending them handwritten letters and just do things that can help you fill the space of not being alone. And just know that this pandemic isn't, it, it will not last forever. I know it feels like it's going to, but in a year's time, You'll be able to go to a club or a bar or a football game or a library or whatever, and you will be able to meet someone. I'm sure of it. And the apps are going through the roof. I know apps aren't for everybody, but they've all seen a 30% increase. So maybe try an app and be super specific. Set your age range, set your intention, and don't have any dickheads. Marcella's been using the apps. Yeah, I've got a good app story. Tell me. Well... It's, it's a very good friend of mine, a writer, and mm-hmm. she was chatting to people on the apps mm-hmm. just before Melbourne's second wave. So she lives in Sydney, but mm-hmm. her parents are in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And so she just sort of chatted to someone on an app and they were having a bit of good banter going back and forth and they had a first date and it looked, was really good, but they were, they, nothing had happened yet. It was mm-hmm. just, just a very nice first date. Then Melbourne's second wave and she felt, because her parents have not been in great health, she needed to come to Melbourne, thinking, you know, maybe it'll be a couple of weeks. So she came to Melbourne and then lo and behold, we were in lockdown for like, what was it, three months, four months, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... So, but in some ways it was this brilliant, he kept chatting and in some ways she feels like their relationship was, it was an early real test and he maintained the conversation and the interest for all that time and months and months and months so that finally she got back to Sydney and then they went back to dating. But she feels like the way that they got to know each other remotely and everything really put them in, in good stead. So the app still can work. And now she's locked down with him in Sydney. Ah. So they've gone from the, you know, from like not having any contact whatsoever to now. <laughs> <laughs> so the apps really can work. And, and there's something interesting about what this pandemic 
does mm. is it takes them away from being hookup apps yep. because you can't hook up. So it just nah. comes down to forging that yep. banter and that connection with someone. And it's not ideal and I would never pretend it's ideal and everything like that. But it's also, it's not nothing either. No, and that's the thing. The apps aren't ideal, as you said. And people can be rude on there and dismissive and awful, but, I mean, they're going to be rude, dismissive and awful in real life anyway, so you're glad to be rid of them. But I think, you know, you got your Bumble, your Hinge, your Grinder. Your, maybe don't do your Grinder if you want a relationship, your Tinder. But also don't ever dismiss the old-fashioned tell your friends you're single and ready to mingle and do you know anyone? Because mm. I always catalogue my single friends. Like, I'll meet someone and I pop them in my Rolodex of singles and I've I've put together some very decent relationships that are still going strong. So never, ever underestimate the power of the friend who has, like me, a lot of, I think a lot of people do this, they have a catalogue of singles in their brain, but just ask around. Don't be afraid to put it out there that, hey, I'm actually looking for a relationship and I'd like a dude or a lady or uh, a non-binary person you know just I think it's okay to declare it there's nothing desperate about it at all and we all get to a certain age when you're in your 30s you don't want fuck boys or fuck girls you don't want that anymore no one does no one no one but it is a daunting time but it's not going to last forever you're feeling it heightened because you're on your own and but just put yourself out there I think is the main thing but which I know is really super tough all right we'll do we'll do two more This question comes from, I've got to find her name, Flip. M, when did you know that Scott was the one? (laughs) (laughs) When you were pregnant? (laughs) No, I knew that my husband was the one before I saw him. Oh, hang on. Uh Isn't there a Savage Garden song about this? (laughs) I knew I loved you before I met you. But how before you saw him? How is this possible? What, was there a unique thing about yep. the name Scott that made you no. think, God, you weren't Scott Morrison wasn't in your path? Who, oh, what, how did I you know? I heard his voice. I heard his <gasps> voice. I walked into the Victorian Institute of Sport gym, which is where Scott was working, and I walked in and I met my coach, Matt, and I heard this very husky voice chatting in the office, and I looked at Matt and he goes, Oh, so my eyes light up. And he goes, yeah, you'll like him. He's a new guy. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, his name's Scott. He's a surfer. He's a, he's a manly man. You'll like him. And I was like, oh. So I was 19 at the time. That's wild. And Scott was 26. And so I, like, pulled my leggings up, really, like, and I tucked everything at my chair. I was like, you know, everything was good. And I, and I, and I looked at Matt. He's like, oh. So Matt took me around to the office and there I laid my eyes upon this square-jawed, rugged, redhead, like with freckles and big meaty forearms wearing a chunky digital watch and strong arms that could like murder a bear and hands and big thick fingers. And he was just like kind of tanned from obviously all the surfing he was doing. And I just saw him and... Instantly, I just knew. Like, so, I don't know. It was oh, so did weird. Did you see your unborn children in his eyes, to quote another 90s power ballad? Little did I know that unborn child would be on its way four months later. Um, <laughs> 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 no, but I don't know. 
know. It was just like this divine moment of, it was the voice. The minute I heard his voice. He does have a very satisfyingly husky voice, he as does. do you. And then Chella just has really, <laughs> like, she's got double husk happening. It's great. Oh, imagine when Elio's voice breaks. It's going to be, well, there's going to be a line of people just wanting to hear the voice. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know. And then we, it took him a year to ask me out, you guys. Fuck, he made me walk. Didn't the, like, he have to stretch you up as well? <gasps> yes. Yeah, so that is like foot. something from a bad Mills and Boone that your mother would read in the bath with the butter and the sugar. Yeah. It was so funny with the butter and the sugar. She, so he was my flexibility coach. Oh, my and God. it was the greatest thing. And so sometimes I'd find myself laying on the ground and Scott would have – I was very flexible. I still am freakishly. And he would put my leg up above my head straight, the other leg on the ground. And so he'd have one hand on the leg on the ground, one hand on the leg over my head, and his chest would be leaning directly on my vagina. And I'll never forget the first time he did that, he was laying he was laying on top of me, looking in my eyes, and he said to me, and I'm like, oh, my God, what's he going to He's like, Em? Like, no, he calls me Emmy. Emmy. I was like, what's he going to say? What's he going to get? And he said, to me, he said to me, you have really elastic muscles. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. And what's that? What's that? And now knowing Scott, of course, that was the first compliment he ever paid me because that to him is the height. It's the height. And I remember going home and telling Anna, who I was living with, my friend Anna Deary at the time, like, oh my God, he said, I have elastic muscles. What do you think that means? What do you think that means, guys? Oh my God. So what people don't know is I met Scott in 99, but then he was dating a girl. I was fleeing Melbourne to go be in Sydney and train. And and then, like, so we kind of lost touch. And then I had a massive crush on him. And then I kind of came back to Melbourne. And then I was on an email chain that he was on and I pounced. And I just sent him an email. And I said, are you still at the VIS? He's like, yeah, yeah. So I turned up at the VIS. Like, I fully was ready. I wanted this. I pursued my husband relentlessly and he finally asked me out and he took me on a date to Revolver in oh, Melbourne. good choice. <laughs> to the Thai restaurant upstairs. And I was chatting, chatting, chatting as I do and mid-sentence he just kissed me, <clears> like without warning. It was so romantic and such a big deal for Scott because that's not who he is at all. And that was it. I, my <laughs> cousin Jess sent me a, a fax at the shop I was working at the next day, how was your date? And I faxed her back a picture of a wedding dress. Oh. And that was it. We've been inseparable 21 years in three weeks. I mean, it's been a couple. Uh, I don't know that I'd use the word inseparable, but yeah, 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 everything else, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) We have had a couple separations, yes. Yes, don't ruin my fairy tale. We do fight every third day. It's been a tough lockdown, but... No, he's my family and we'll be together till one of us dies. No, remarkably enduring. <laughs> we do endure each other, that's true. And the voices <laughs> are only going to get huskier. Both he's of so them. hot. No, the lucky thing is, and the girl's always like, oh, <laughs> my husband is hot. He's got amazing ass. His legs, like he's got the jaw. And anytime <laughs> I'm mad at him, I say to him, just take your pants off, please. Just take them off. Just take your pants off so I can look at your bum. <laughs> So look at your bum, please. And that is how you build a quality relationship and one to last. All right. All right, on that note, uh, we should go. Uh, thank you. This has been, look, it's been fun. Oh, it's always fun when people ask us the questions. It's like... <laughs> no work for us. I know. But also we can't sort of structure our thinking or anything, so you just get unfiltered. Yeah, it's good. Uh, well, look, <laughs> there's not much else to say. What are you watching? You want to give a recommendation to everyone? People are looking White for entertainment. Lotus still. White oh, that's Lotus. just finished. Uh, uh, 
Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of an acquired taste, but man, I loved it. I thought it was really funny. White Lotus, I'm redoing Game of Thrones the last season because Odie has watched the entire Game of Thrones in one month. Wow. I don't know what that's done to her brain. But in my defence, she is Aya Stark. Odette is Aya Stark. They're the same person. They look the same. They act the same. So this is really Aya's season. So I was happy. And we're doing it together so I can stop things and go, okay, this is not what – we shouldn't be doing this to women. That's not okay. This is how they betrayed her. They're betraying the main characters as crazy. It's really disappointing. Like, So we're really – it's really like a director's commentary. <laughs> Poor Odie. Oh, shit. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, you go. I'll talk to you later. Talk later. Bye. All right, bye. This is Emsolation. All right, that's all we have time for. Don't forget, the next episode of The Newsreader is on Sunday night, ABC 8.30, and you can catch up on iView. And it's best for Michael if you watch it live and catch up on it, for those of you who are asking. So great. Did you love it? So good. It's my absolute favourite show he's ever written, or, you know, or been a part of writing. I mean, he wrote this one. This is his, but he's been a part of writing, obviously, Wentworth, Offspring, Rosehaven. He wrote Party Tricks. He's been a part of so many great things. Five bedrooms. This is my favourite because it's the most him. And I know how much he wanted it and it's exactly how he wanted it. And it's, it's so brilliant. Anyway, I just want to remind you, obviously you're listening to us through the Spotify app. Please make sure you are following us within the app. There's a little button option to follow. That really helps us. It doesn't make any difference to your life, but it just shows the Spotify bosses that we have a crew, an army, a community, which we absolutely do. So if you could make sure you're following us in there, that'd be ace. And also you are our best form of marketing and PR. We're always looking to add to the community. We want to create this podcast as big as possible so it can be my full-time career the time forever thank god for this obviously i'm not doing any live shows so i haven't been touring so this spotify is paying my mortgage and school fees and the car repayments and everything so we needed to keep going for as long as possible guys so uh, if you love us please recommend us to your friends podcasting is still relatively new and podcasts and people get a bit scared by them but remind them that it's free they can listen anytime they want they can pause it play it whenever they want yeah it's just our best way you know when someone recommends stuff they're more likely to listen than if they see an ad but that's it from me we'll chat soon have a great week and make sure you're signed up for the newsletter ben giggling ben ben wasley my executive producer puts together a beautiful newsletter that's the accompaniment to this episode that goes out with all the links to the things we talk about recommendations all that stuff you can sign up for it at our instagram page if you're not getting the newsletter. You're only getting half the story. All right, gang. Talk soon. Have a great week. Bye. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Mark Devilla. With videos by Liam O'Brien. Socials by Marcella Rossiano-Barrow. With assistance from Jim Evans and Georgia Watts. And occasional technical trickery and wizardry from M's dad Vinci. Get more from Emsolation with M Rossiano by following Emsolation Podcast on Instagram. You can also join our secret club by joining our Facebook group at Emsolation and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. We of course hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll chat with you again soon. <laughs> <laughs>